Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. So grateful that you joined us in worship today. We have three important documents this morning as you um, come in and as you leave the building. We have um, the bulletin that if you open has our five practices of fruitful congregations. Things that we are trying to do uh, this week, this month. Things that are coming up that we uh, believe in and cherish. Our prayer list uh, which can be found on the table in the back, changes every week. Um, you can see the people that we are praying for currently this week. We're considering uh, Warren Leonard's family, uh, Susan, who's starting at her new church in Charleston today. And unfortunately, uh, if you saw on social media or the email, uh, whatever communication, uh, Don Shapke's daughter uh, was hit by an accident by fireworks and um, burned quite badly, um, but is now um, uh, in recovering, doing much better. She's at the Augusta Burn Center, and we want to say, uh, as well as with our prayers, we want to say thank you for Don for committing to come back here uh, to help us lead the service um, in Renessa's absence. Uh, thank you, Don. Um, and you'll hear more and more about her recovery in the uh, weeks to come uh, on that prayer list. We have a newsletter that has uh, everything that's going on uh, and that recaps a couple of things like youth mission trips and intentional faith development, children with vacation Bible school, and events that are coming up. Do you say to yourself, you know, I didn't know that thing was happening. It's right here. It's right here. So in every version of these, we have a digital copy as well that's in your email. We want to make sure that you notice that if you like a digital the latest version uh, will be at the top of your email. Um, a couple of um, just different things that are coming up. Next week we have one service at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary, and that's because we're having a cookout directly following the service. Um, Brett Hovis and his wife Casey are um, cooking great food um, in, uh, back behind the Family Life Center. We'll eat in the Family Life Center, and they're asking families to bring a side, um, any side that you like. I'm sure we'll have a great balance of that. Um, we're in Leonard's service was recorded. We try to um, record every service we have in case you are out of town. So if um, any of you or anyone you know uh, would have uh, hope to have been there if they could have. We recorded it and they can watch it. You can simply ask anyone on staff um, and we can get that link to you. Those, um, we're doing a really great job recording that um, video and sound. And the children's summer of service you'll note in the bulletin in the newsletter is Wednesdays for kindergartners through second graders. We know that um, it's, it's a shifting time for your kids. They might go here, they might go there, they might go with grandparents, they might go with a friend. Um, but every Monday, Aaron is going to decide whether we do it on Wednesday based on a critical number. So if you're interested in doing that, please let her know um, each and every week so that she can make that decision. Uh, that's uh, all we need to say, I believe, if you'll stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn.
In this worship service, we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed on page 881. And you're welcome to join us, and you're welcome to simply listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I 
first scripture this morning comes from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray with gratitude for the life of Warren Leonard and what he meant to each of us. With gratitude for the doctors that surround Leah and for the family that loves her. For your spirit that leads us each and every day in tiny ways and enormous ways. And Lord, as we read a text of your leaders going all over a land sharing your word and the potential of others being willing to listen to them, respond to them, invite them in. We pray, Lord, that you may help us hear that story and make it our story. That we may consider all of the decisions we have each and every day and the way in which you call us to your spirit, to your will. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Before I um, call for the offering, I'd like to point something out to you in our newsletter. I know you can't actually see this as I'm pointing it to you, but I'd like you to notice the sections. We used to have a single line in our bulletin that said what we needed for the week, which was simply our budget divided by 52, and what we received last week. The trouble to me was is that it was a microscopic look at where we stood. And so we took that out of the bulletin and put a much larger section on the right side of the financial dashboard in your newsletter that gives you three months of that same thing. So if you were accustomed to that being in the bulletin and you miss it, I understand. You'll see it right here in a much larger scale. You'll also see graphs here that show you how far we are through the year. If we're 55% of the way through the year, it says what we've collected for our budget through the year. It also says what we've spent through the year. So we may be 55% of the way through the year, we've only collected 50% of what we expected, but we've only spent 48% of our budget. So that, you may look at that and go, what, what is he talking about? Can we just, but if you look, I think it will help you if you continue to look at this. You'll also see what we do in missions and also a fun fact each month about things that are going on. So I encourage you to look at that. Um, I think it will um, be of great benefit to you. And you'll find it on the bulletin boards as well. Um, so it's time for our offering. And you can give as the plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you are new or a guest, it's not our expectation that you give. Um, you can rely on the generosity of our people.
Please be seated. The sermon text is a continuation of our first scripture reading. And you can again find it on page 1720. And if you'd like to read along, if you would keep your Bible open as I'll read different sections. Before we begin, I want you to think about the opening image of the word trust. There's all sorts of ways that um, trust is made, trust is built, trust is lost. Um, Three significant ways um, that I've witnessed myself are in the um, visitation of a person who's had a knee replacement. That person and that therapist have not previously met. They don't know one another's history. They don't know one another's motivations, joys, fears. What they do know is the patient has got to walk again, and this person knows an awful lot about that. This person knows what it takes for an individual to go from completely replacing this part of your leg to moving as if it were always there. And um, that day, they'll get you up and moving. And as you're leaning on those rails and as you're walking with a walker and as you're walking with a cane and placing weight on a knee that you hadn't trusted in a while, because it has to get pretty tough, it has to get pretty painful to get in that spot. The pain is gone, but can I trust this machine that they put in my leg to hold up? That's when trust gets really elevated between that patient and the therapist. How about a swim coach and a six-year-old? That six-year-old who has been trained to be concerned about things that can harm him or her, and they know they can't swim, and this water that you want me to jump in could be quite frightening. And it goes against what my parents have said. And it may be wrong about six, it may be four, maybe whatever age the child is. And I'm assuming the longer it goes on, the more the child might be scared of that thing. And the trainer has got to get the child, come on, jump in. Get your head under the water, get your arms moving in a way from, from just being willing to get in to being willing to swim from this side to that side. You don't know me. I don't know you, but I can teach you how to swim. How about feeding a friend's pet? A neighbor who's gone for the week, and they've asked you to go over and feed their animal. Now, if it's a dog, if, well, I guess it depends on the size of a dog. If it's somewhat of a small dog, that dog's going to bark at you like you are the ultimate enemy until you have food. If it's a big dog, what's it going to do? Hey, man. It's a new friend. Let's be friends forever. Oh, and you're going to have treats too. That's amazing. I've done it for a cat though. I was asked by my then girlfriend, who is my now wife, will you go over while we're gone for two weeks and pet and feed my cat? (laughs) That cat didn't want anything to do with me. It thought that if it's closed its eyes, I couldn't see it, right? So it would sit on, if, I, if it was lucky enough to be in the same spot when I came in the room, it would just close its eyes and figure it wasn't there, right? Cats don't want anything to do with you, and all of a sudden, though, you cat are dependent upon me for survival, and our relationship may be elevated for these next two weeks, and it was. But when everybody came back home, 
back to normal with the cat. But that trust can be necessary in a real hurry between two people. And we're talking about that through the entire text today. And um, the part that Fred read has to do with your next fill in the blank. Um, being led to take risk on a new type of leader. A leader who might not be chosen by everyone else. Being led to take a risk on a new leader. Timothy has a household, as best I can tell, in which one parent is interested in religion and one parent is not. I assume y'all have seen this before. You may have lived it before in one way, shape, or form. The thing that I think is interesting about that is a man, Timothy, who's been chosen to go speak to people about this concept of Jesus, understands people who believe in religion and go and faithfully participate and people that do not. I think there's a serious upside to that, of seeing both sides of that. There can be a struggle to that in a family when one parent wants the other one to go. But in terms of Timothy only, I think he'd be uniquely gifted in being able to share a word with people who may or may not be interested. Now, because his father was a Greek, he would not have been the first choice of a number of leaders in that area. But that's kind of the way it worked, wasn't it? That's kind of the way Jesus picked people. It's the way his disciples picked people. It's how Paul is picking people. And there's a certain risk in it. I've hired a number of people in a number of different positions. And you really don't know until they are actually in the office and you are working with them. But he decides that he's going to take a risk on a person with, I think, has a healthy balance of religious perspective and non-religious perspective in Timothy. Now we start with verse 6, and we're going to read all these towns, but if you imagined Landrum, Boylan Springs, Lyman, Greer, if you heard those words, they're just going around to these towns that are very close to one another who may travel to the other one, but man, they love their town. And so here these guys go to these different places, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, and they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging them, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here's your next phrase. Led away from a frightening situation. See, they were on the path to go one place and they were led away from that frightening situation to another place where people wanted to be there. Now, are these people going to harm them? Are they going to impede them? Are they going to actually kill them if not led away? Very much a possibility. People were quite hostile in this place about what they were talking about. And this is what made me think of Sometimes the Christian walk is about the things that you don't do. 
the places you don't go, the interactions you don't have. Does that sound like a high school chaperone or a dorm RA? Someone who is about to lead a group of people and say, we are going to a place you've never been with 53 other people and I need you to have your best, what? Behavior. I need you to remember what we said. I I need you to remember what we do. And I need you to avoid situations in which you can be harmed. Parents saying to a 16-year-old who can now drive at night, on a Friday night, with friends, in the car, what are you saying to them? Avoid situations in which you can truly be harmed. We say that sort of thing all the time. The unique thing in this particular story about that is that a number of times, biblical leaders are led into dangerous situations. They might have to go into battle. They might have to take a city. They might have to face a giant. They might have to say something to someone who could truly harm them or have them be imprisoned. But in this particular case, they're led away from harm. Do we know exactly why? I don't. What I know is when they were told not to do it, they didn't do it. Isn't that something? They were led away and they went. You know, sometimes I'm trying to lead my dog away from a thing and he pulls as hard as he possibly can. He only weighs 28 pounds, but I swear he can pull against me towards the situation that I'm trying to help him avoid. They were led away and they followed. So they go in verse 11 to a place where people truly want them to be. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So, led to take a risk on a new leader. Led away from a somewhat frightening situation. They're now go to a place where a woman is led to invite them to dinner. To her home. Now, why is that significant? You invite someone in. All of a sudden, you become friends in a hurry. Trust is built in a hurry. I'll tell you another thing that's significant about it. I said something briefly about this in Warren Leonard's celebration of life. Now, I understood he worked in banking his entire life. He helped this church with the finances for the better part of his um, adult life and service here. Working just right there, he could walk over and do anything with our finances, sign our checks, check over numbers, prepare reports. But I never saw that. He served on all types of administrative councils. Never saw that. Served faithfully in his Sunday school class and with his peers. But I didn't see that either. 
I saw the last truly significant thing that he did for our church. He would come in my first year in 2015 to 16, every Tuesday at 11 o'clock, and pick me up and take me to come visit one of our church members. Now, what do you think it meant to our church members for me to come and visit them in that first year when so many things were happening? It meant a great deal to them. And um, my children are in the nine o'clock service, and I said, you know, because I'm kind of a big deal. Right? No, they didn't think it was a big deal either. When I go see those people, all of a sudden I know 40 minutes more about their story, their background. And I wouldn't have done that on my own half as much had he not come faithfully every Tuesday at 11 to take me around and visit someone. Now, I'll tell you the other thing he did. He would vouch for me. We'd go in the living room. And he would say, this is our new pastor. This is Joe. This is what he's trying to do. And I'm grateful that he's here. All of a sudden, not only is it me saying something that I want to do, of which we have very little interaction, it's a legend saying, this is our new pastor. This is your new pastor. That's what's significant about that part of the story. She was welcomed in that group by them. It says they went out and spoke to several women. Now, that was not the norm in any way, shape, or form. They gave them tremendous significance. And, of course, in my life, that's all I know. I grew up with two sisters and a uh, powerful mother. I married a woman. She gave birth to two daughters. Those two sisters each have two daughters. When I get together with my family tree, it is me, my father, and my dog are the males in the group uh, from our family. Of course, the in-laws. All I've known is powerful women. And I get it. But in this time, that was not a given by any uh, uh, means. So he speaks to those women, and one of them is moved to have him to her home. Now, what do you think that meant for the growth of that message in that community? It's a big deal. It's like Warren taking me around in this community. Now, that doesn't happen if she isn't moved. She's not moved if she doesn't listen. She doesn't hear a word if they're not committed to going to that city. They might not go to that city if Paul not accepted Timothy. They're not going out unless Timothy accepts him. Paul's not doing anything unless Jesus accepts him as a leader. And there's no movement at all unless Jesus is willing to do what he did and have the disciples do it as well. It's a staircase of this thing builds on this thing, builds on this thing, builds on this thing, all the way to us. So consider the person that led you to this faith for a moment. Their actions, their words, their commitments. And I would have you this week pray for gratitude for their call to help you be in this position. Consider the people that push you in your faith today, their actions, their words, their commitments. May you pray with gratitude for their call to help you as well. But who's coming behind you? 
Who are the people that you are interacting with? How are you sharing the faith that you have been called to share? And that's the last question. Where's the Spirit leading me? That's something you've got to ask yourself. As your pastor, I've got to ask, where's the Spirit leading us? Um, long-range planning, the long-range planning committee has um, been gathered. They start meeting tomorrow. They'll talk about Greer. They'll talk about our campus. They'll talk about our services, our Sunday school classes, our spaces, our land, whatever it may be, until we have a plan for going in the future. And I'm excited about the faithful people that we've chosen. But our answers will be more powerful if you as individuals are asking, where is the Spirit leading me? What am I called to do? What am I capable of? Who am I called to interact with? Because if y'all are asking that, then your Sunday school class is asking that. If your class is asking that, then this service is asking that. If both of our services are asking that, then our campus is asking that question. Where is the Spirit leading us? And you see, there's very different ways that they were led just in a very short piece of Scripture. If we are willing to be led, it's an entirely significant thing. And we continue this amazing journey where we share this message with others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 98.
We have a completely unique Sunday next week. It's one service at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. On Labor Day, that one service will be in the gym. Uh, so we'll come next Sunday at 10 o'clock here. We'll um, have a great cookout, and if you'll bring a side, we'll um, celebrate uh, in the Family Life Center. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.